0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. I enjoyed the worship with you. One of the highlights of my week is Wednesday night worship, so praise the God. Uh, if you're were we're honored to have you with us watching by live stream tonight. We're glad you're here too. If you need a Bible, why not you get your hand up really high and our ushers would gladly put the word of God in your hand. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Second Corinthians, chapter eight. Second Corinthians eight, we'll receive our tithes and offerings tonight. Just a couple announcements. Again, the uh, faith closet and the food pantry is open right after the service tonight. Be sure and pick up your kids first. Again, you saw the exchange for all the young ones under thirty, or you know, even if you feel like you're under thirty, show up. And all they can tell you to do is leave, so it's okay. Partnership is Wednesday the 28th and then uh, we're still accepting Easter candy and then, ooh, the men of iron, that is two weeks from tomorrow so we need to get you signed up for that. Yeah, it's gonna be really, really good so I welcome you to be a part of that but also to start praying for that. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter number eight and I'm gonna begin in verse number seven. But as you abound in everything or you excel in everything in faith in speech in knowledge in all diligence and even in your love for us see that you abound in this grace also now when you look at what paul is talking about here the abound in this grace that he's talking about is the area of generosity and giving and what he's saying in this It's just as important as the other areas which the Corinthians had showed such passion and zeal about. So he said, man, have that same passion about the area of generosity and giving. Verse eight, I I speak not by commandment or I'm not issuing you an order, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by your diligence of others. Now, what he's talking about here, it can't be by commandment. It it becomes voluntarily, or better yet, something that comes from my heart. Oh, Lord, I want to obey you from my heart. I don't want to do it just because it's a commandment. And then he ends this with verse 9, and he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, not in reference to Jesus' material material wealth here on the earth, but he's talking about his spiritual stuff, his eternal status. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. And the becoming poor here is through his total giving of himself. Man, he, he didn't shortchange us a bit. He gave his total and complete self. And it says that you through his poverty might become rich and through his poverty refers to his self-giving is what this is talking about. So I believe he's telling us, man, I, I want you to abound. I want you to excel even in the area of giving. And I believe he's telling us that in order to be that person to do that, I gotta imitate Jesus. I gotta act like Jesus. And when I found out what Jesus did for us on the cross, when he gave everything, he didn't pout about it. He didn't bellyache about it. He didn't get mad and say, why me, God? No. He was obedient to the point of death. And so even in the area given, it is a sacrifice, but oh, God will bless it. All right, let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. and Lord, we, we ask that you would grace us in this area, that your, your grace would excel in each one of us. And the same generosity that you showed is, us that we would freely and wholeheartedly give that also in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm blessed to have you give and we thank you. Uh, turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter four. Philippians four and... Uh, we're still weaving in and out on these things that uh, idols, that an idol is anything that takes the place of God, anything that takes the place of God. And so our mindset often is an idol is this, this statue or this carved image now. And so you'll even see some of that tonight. And so uh, before we get going here, we're go- you're going to flip Philippians 4. I think this will help every one of us in the areas of our life on what I'm gonna talk about tonight, but um, there was a time in my life, probably 35, close to 40 years ago, that I I became where I I wasn't content at, at all in my life. And I began to press. And I, I started trying to open doors that only God's supposed to open. And I, I started trying to, to do things or make things happy that, that I, I wanted them to happen, to, to be happy. I like, it's got to happen. And there's times I'd say to God, God, God do, do you not see? I'm not getting any younger. I, I need this to happen, I need this to take place. And so I'm, I'm going to come back here to this, uh, this, this talk, what I'm talking about here in just a little bit. But start with me here in Philippians 4 verse 9. And this is the Apostle Paul and he says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Now, Paul wasn't saying this in an arrogant manner. Paul was one of the most humble people I know. But he was telling us here, follow my example. Practice all that I've imparted to you. And better yet, follow what, what Paul molded or modeled to us. He said, look look what I did. Verse, or the end of verse 9. And the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, when I read that, the the God of peace, he can come into our hearts and our life when we're surrounded by turmoil. Everything is in the natural is chaotic, but I can still experience the peace of God. And the older I get, the more and more I, I cherish the peace of God. I, I don't know how people don't live with the, without the peace of God. I don't know how they can do it. And so Paul's telling us here man, if, if you'll follow the things I've, I've modeled to you, the God of peace will be with you. Even when life is chaotic. Verse 10 But I rejoice greatly, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Lord, I, I just need opportunity. I just need opportunity. And that's what I tell the Lord day after day. I just need opportunity. Verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need or apply in need. Now watch this, watch this. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content, to, to be satisfied in any circumstance. Now, this is really interesting what he said here. He said, I've learned, I, I've had to learn to be content. He didn't say, I was born this way, or just one day, no, he had to learn this. So, in saying this here, he's given me a new insight that says, listen, you're gonna have to learn to be content in in whatever's going on in your life. Keep reading. I know how to be abased To live humbly. But I also know how to abound. To live in prosperity. So he's saying either way, I've learned how to live that way. Everywhere, and I mark that everywhere. You know what everywhere means? Everywhere. Everywhere and in all things the good things, the bad things, the ugly things, the easy things, the hard things. And again, he said, and I've learned. Here he goes again. And I've learned to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, how did he do that? How did he learn to be content? In everywhere and everything. I I really believe verse 13, This was Paul's secret sauce, okay? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I I can do all things through Jesus' explosive power. So it's important that we note the emphasis is not so much on the achievement as it is the willingness to allow Christ's power to sustain in difficulty and uh, Christ's sufficiency here in all life circumstances. So when's the last time we've said, Lord, I can do all things through you. No matter what I'm going through, I can do all things through you. And so I go back and I highlight verse 11 and he said, whatever state I am, I'm going to be content. Well, contentment cannot be confused with complacency. Those are totally different, okay? Contentment, and I'm good, just right there where I'm at. Complacency has more of, I, I become lazy. And so I, I go back to the story. And and when he says, man, I learned to be content in every area of my life. So man, I'm I'm going through this time in my life and I'm I'm so discontented. I mean, just uh, trying to open those doors and do those things. And at that time in my life, I, I was working at a utility company. And it was a good job, it paid great. I just didn't like what I was doing. And so there came a day in my life where, man, I kept, I kept pushing the envelope. And, man, it never got me anywhere. You know, I found this out, and this may help someone in here right now. I, I would rather be late with God than early. You know why I say that? Because when you're early, you're out in front of God. You're trying to lead God instead of God. Lead. But when you're late, at least you know you're behind God. God's the one pulling you and directing you. So in this season in my life, I got to a place one day where I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, if all I do the rest of my life is I live in these alleys. And that's where I did every day. I worked in the alleys. If that's all I do when the rest of my day is work in these alleys, and I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday, and, and I serve in the children's, I serve in the youth, I, I serve Usher, and I serve greeting, and every bit of that I did. I was even the bus driver for the church. That's how desperate they were. And everybody who got on that bus, they got the ride of their life, I promise you. They wish there were seat belts on the bus. But I allowed this thing called contentment to settle me. And I started going to work and and nothing on the outside changed. The, The landscape didn't change. The people I work with didn't change. The alleys didn't, nothing changed except something in my heart. And it settled me. And it was like, there came a joy with it to say, you know what, I'm gonna be content in all things. And so months passed, two, three, four months. And one day I got a call and they said, hey, there's a church up in Tucumcari, Tucumscari. If you're from there, I don't mean that ugly, okay. (laughs) And they said, we need you to come and speak on a Sunday. And man, I was so elated, I get, to, I get to go speak, and I walked in that Sunday, and there was a whopping 13 people there. And I was so lit, oh, I preached my little heart out and drove home, and the next Sunday, they called and said, come back, and you guys will love this part. And after about two or three Sundays, I went up there, and one Sunday, they looked and they said, hey, the person who does our praise and worship's not here. They said, can you fill in? I said, yeah. So, they didn't have live music, they had a tape. So, I said, Listen, everybody in here, close your eyes, okay? <laughs> Get real. And so, we did it, it worked out. Thank God, Jesus, help me. And then, before long, another door started open, another door started open. And I go back to that, and in that time span, just within a couple of years, is when this church was birthed all that, from all that. And so when we get content in our hearts, God God begins to move. Where I don't press and I don't have to open those doors and I'm I'm speaking to some of us in here. I've been there. And so a month ago, I'm around the guy and man, he's telling me at his job, it's just chaotic. Nothing's going right. It's just horrible. And he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, can I give you a little advice? And he said, yeah. And I told him the story about how I became content. So a month ago, he calls me. And I said, how's everything going? And he said, you know what? Nothing's changed. He said, actually, everything around me, it's got worse and worse and worse. But he said, on the inside of me, he said, I'm great. He said, I'm content. And and we saw him two or three days, four days ago now. And Shelly said, how are you doing? And he goes, I'm content. And he said, "I, I can't believe the doors that are open to me. And so God wants us to live in a state of contentment. Why is that so important? Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy 6. Ooh, get ready, this, this stuff. And you may say, how are you tying this in with idols? Just hang in here, okay? 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Now, godliness, and godliness is, is synonymous, are synonymous with true religion. And when I think about godliness here, it should be enough to satisfy me. That's what he's talking about. But look what he says. Now, godliness with contentment, uh uh-oh, with this inward sufficiency is great gain. Not a little bit of gain, but it's great gain. So when you're about the kingdom business and you're just living for God in whatever stage of life you're in, you tag that godliness with contentment, it's great gain. And oftentimes we don't see the great gain. We're like, oh my, nothing's happened in my life. But it's great gain. Verse 7. For we brought nothing in this world, we were penniless, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Penniless. And I talked about this to a degree on Sunday morning that you came into this world with nothing, and when you leave, you're going to leave nothing. You don't get to pull a trailer. trailer. You don't get to pull a U-Haul, a trunk. You don't get a suitcase, a backpack. You don't even get to take your wallet. Verse 8. Now, watch this. Mm. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. That I got bread, I got shoes on my feet, I should be content and satisfied. But we got a problem right here. You know what the problem is? We're Americans. And so when he says with food and clothing, we should be content, let me ask, are you content? Because I remember with the Israelites, God's, he's blessing them with man and man and man and he's feeding them and you know what they do? They bellyache. We don't want man, we want quail. And see, that's us to a degree. And so when I look at this, I think, wow, he's he's given me insight. Man, I, I gotta become to a place of contentment. You know, I remember a jillion years ago when, when me and Shelly, we, we lived in this little trailer house that was so tiny that if, if you both came down the hallway, you had to. And, and many of you remember these days, man, you were, you were so grateful for baloney. Spam. I mean, I hear a lot of yes. I, I mean, we, we've been there where you look at me. Man, I was grateful for that. I, I was grateful that there was just food. I mean, when we went to Bible school, we were so poor, we couldn't even pay attention a little to anything else. But we, we start getting blessed in areas of our life, and we're, we're no longer content. Verse eight. Verse nine. But those who desire or crave to be rich, they will fall into a temptation, a snare and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful loves which drown men in destruction and perdition or ruin and they become miserable. Now, Look at the very first part of verse nine. But those who desire to be rich, those who crave to be rich. Now, this is interesting because he didn't say those who are rich are gonna fall into these temptations and these traps and these snares which will lead to all this junk. He said those who desire or crave to be rich. Now you know what? You may not have a dime in your pocket but you could still desire to be rich. Uh oh! Guess what? That's probably every one of us in this room, right here. Verse 10. For the love of money, the love of money, he didn't say money, he said the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. When I love money, 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 When I love money. See, money doesn't have a conscience. Money doesn't tell me, spend me here, spend me there. Money just sits in your wallet. You determine what happens with that money. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now look what he says here. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. They've run from the faith. They've been led astray because of money. And look what it says here. And they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They compounded misery and grief. So I go back to verse six, what he said, and he said, Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain is associated then with contentment. And so, contentment doesn't come with how much money I have, but contentment comes from the freedom that results from understanding I'm living under God's provisions. And I'm living under God's timetable. And where we get in trouble is when we start looking to the world for our provisions and when we start looking to the world's timetable to do what God's supposed to do. Now there's a second word I want to highlight here. It's the word called covet. The word covet or covetous means unjust gain, ill-gotten gain, a longing or a craving. Now, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Back there to your left just a little bit. So covetousness would be the total opposite of contentment. And again, some of the definitions I looked at on covetousness was a strong desire of obtaining to possess some supposed good and an inappropriate desire for more. Now, Proverbs 28, 16, you may want to write this down. It says, the person that hates covetousness will prolong his days. The one who hates covetousness. Now, why would he say that? Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, you're born again, Seek those things which are above. Amen, yearn for those things which are above, which are the eternal treasures where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. The right hand of God is a symbol of power, it's a symbol of authority, honor, and glory. Verse two, set your mind on things above Not on things on the earth. Not with the distractions of this earth. Now look what he said. He said, set your mind on the things above. Proverbs 23, 7 says, a man thinketh, so is he. Think on things above. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed, molded, or shaped to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind to the word of God. You know what that means? I got to get into the word and I begin to renew my mind with the word of God, where I begin to think in line with the word of God. And he said, set your mind on things above. Verse three, for you died, that old man died to sin, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse four. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, Paul is giving us the key to remaining in a content state, I believe what's gonna go on here. And daily, we must display our attention and our affection toward the spiritual things because my identification has gotta be in the Lord Jesus, okay? That's my identity, Lord Jesus, everything I am's in you. Verse five. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, which is sexual sin. Keep reading with me. Uncleanness, passion, impurity, lust, doing whatever and whenever you feel like it. Evil desire and covetousness. <laughs> put to death covetousness. That ugly desire, that craving. And why am I to put to death covetous? Look how this verse ends. Evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. So you know what he's telling me when I get over and I start coveting whether it's money, I cover, I covet other people's positions, other people's titles. I, I cover, the, I covet the things of the wor- uh, this world. You know what he just said? It's idolatry. That's an idol. And when I read what he's talking about there again, we, we have this thought, but an idol is a statue, it's this carved image, it's this figure no, 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 no it's covetousness and so what the enemy likes to do he likes to move us out of a state of contentment and he moves us to covetousness and contentment says I'm going to let God be God and order my steps, covetousness says I want it now and I'm going to do everything that I can to get it right now And so when we look at covetousness, I'm looking at the created thing. When I look at contentment, I'm looking to the creator. Wow, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? Put to death. And he lists all these things. But he highlights covetousness. Turn to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. So right now, and, and the reason I'm going to Hebrews 13, a lot of those passages that we just read, they would cross references to this. So right now, are, are, are you pushing the envelope? Or are you trying to speed up the process? Are are you trying to be Holy Spirit Junior and say, Father God, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to nudge you. You know, I've been there. You know what I found out? It'll wear you out trying to be God. (laughs) It'll wear you out. Because we're not designed to do that. But if I hold on to what he said there in Philippians, man, I can do all things to Christ, Lord. Give me patience, give me peace, give me peace. You know, one one of the things I love to do when I come in here and pray at lunchtime, if you ever come up here on these steps, you'll probably sink right in where my little bottom is. I I love to sit right here, and I love just to talk to the Lord, and one of the things the Lord has gotten me to do where I'll, I'll be still and quiet. The goal's for 10 minutes. Some of you say, you you can't be still and quiet for 10 minutes. Well, big boy, when's the last time you did that? It's a lot more difficult than you think. And so I try to get real still and quiet. And then you know what I try to do? I try to put my brain in neutral. You know what that means? I don't think on anything. And I said, Lord, I, I, I need you to speak to me. I I need your peace today. and, And oftentimes people will say, well, God never speaks to me. Oh, he's still speaking. Just as Paul had to learn to be content, this guy's having to learn to be still and quiet. Man, when I get still and quiet and I get in the presence of the Lord, oh my goodness. It's just incredible what God will begin to do. Another learned thing that I got to just get around God. Hebrews 13, verse five. Let your conduct, (laughs) let your character be without stinking covetousness. It doesn't say stinking. Be without covetousness. Don't don't live man, where we're, it's, it's all obsessed with covetousness, which is usually toward money and the things of the world. And, and he's warning right here, let your conduct be without covetousness. And look at the next thing, he says, "And be content with such things as you have. Be, be content. Why? because covetousness and financial fear are overcome by contentment that's founded on the assurance that God's constant and his presence and his promises, they're sure. And he'll do exactly what he'll say he'll do. And he he ends in this verse and he says, for he himself said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The problem is this, is, is God's, his watch, and his, it's not on the same time as ours. And oftentimes, man, it sure feels like he's left me. Left me in the alleys for the rest of my life. No, he didn't. No, he didn't with you. And so every one of us, man, we battle this thing called contentment. And we live in this world where, man, it's always What's new and what's the latest and the greatest? And guess what? It's, it's a trick of the enemy to continue pulling us, pulling us away from saying, you know, Father God, I'm gonna let you be God. I'm gonna let you be God. Contentment. Contentment is great game. Godliness with contentment. It's great game. Now I'm saying that because I really sense a little, man, let that soak in us. So my life is not identified by what I drive, my life is not identified by what I wear. And when I try to keep up with the Joneses, and if your last name's Jones, bless you, okay? But when you try to keep up with the Joneses, man, it it leads to this, I'm not content, I'm not happy. But when I just live and say, okay, Father God, grace me to be content. Why don't you stand up with me? No, I just just bow your head and close your eyes there right now because I, I sense this that, that there may be some of you in here that you're you're pressing for a different job right now. And and you know right you you've you've tried to open doors. You you've tried to speed up the process. But the Lord's saying, if, if you'll just be content here, not only will it be on the right time, but if you'll allow that contentment to come on you, I have something that's really good for you that you're going to miss if you jump the gun. Why don't we just raise our hands here right now? Father God, we, we ask you to grace us in this area, Lord. Woo, grace us right here breathe in his contentment Lord and just as the apostle Paul said man I I had to learn this grace is to learn this Father God and we give you glory and honor and we thank you for that in Jesus name Amen you know sometimes we look at people what, what they have but we don't know what they went through to get that And when I look at sometimes older people that have stuff, I want to say, you you don't remember, I mean, some of them are dinosaurs, they're ancient. You don't remember when they didn't even have wheels. No, I'm just kidding that far back. But (laughs) but it's it's a thing with all of us. And and so let me give you this illustration with contentment, and I'm going to end with this. Well, what God does is we, we're content right here. We're content with beanies and weenies. Thank you, Father. God, I got baloney today. And then he moves you on up. And that contentment settles me right there where, man, I don't get over in the covetous. I want more. I'm tired of man. And, and so again, He'll move you up, you know why he'll move you up? Because he knows if stuff comes to us too fast, we'll be led astray, we'll get out of it just like that. Oh, I want, yes you are. You're thinking a little more highly of yourself than you ought, okay? And so it's all a process, it's a process. And so it's like when you have teenagers When you have teenagers, you tell them, listen, be home at 10 o'clock. And when they're home at 9.45, you give them a little bit of rope. But when little Johnny comes in at 10.10, you grab that rope and you yank him back in because you say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's kind of what God does. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.